Hello, welcome everybody to Sonic Talk number 409. Uh, in the UK here, at least, it is swelteringly hot, the hottest day since a very long time ago. And it's no difference here. If you can hear the air conditioning working, I've already blown one uh, extension because I'd forgotten that I had it plugged into something that was coiled and it just blew the fuse. So I thought for a terrible minute I wasn't even going to have that because it really is uh, unbearably warm here. But, you know, only happens once or twice a year. And in fact, we should be glad that it didn't happen at Glastonbury because there would have been all sorts of casualties. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. We want to say hello to everybody in the chat room. I'm surprised there are this many because, frankly, if I was uh, given a choice of being inside or outside today... I'd probably be in a swimming pool. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. It's very much appreciated. We know, I hope you know how much fun you make uh, that extra little bit of frisson that there, we know there's evidence of people actually watching us do this live because we all thoroughly enjoy it. And, of course, it's our super brain um, that helps with the fact that uh, may escape myself, certainly, from time to time. Um, I'm just being distracted by people making faces at the camera, which is absolutely uh, what's expected of. Anyway, I also want to say thank you very much to Isotope sponsoring the show. If stay tuned, you can win a copy of Isotope Ozone 6. Uh, we'll be swapping out the prizes next week, so uh, mm, stay tuned. And also, um, what else? There was something else. Oh, yes, I forgot. Do subscribe to us on YouTube. We're always looking for more subscribers, uh, particularly as uh, as this uh, the number of followers and subscribers you have has such a high currency in this world t- today. But uh, please do subscribe, because not only will you help us out, you'll also uh, get news of the first things that we upload to YouTube um, sort of pretty much instantly. So do it. Anyway, right, um, let's start with uh, Mr. Mark Doty. We have Mr. Mark Doty in the house. Oh, well, in his house or in a house. I don't know if it's his house or not. But uh, Mark Doty, Bob Moog Foundation, synth expert. You're starting to bang out those videos now, Mark. I'm starting to feel a bit threatened. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully it won't go on. It's, uh, yeah, it's been quite a load. No, no more, please, no more analog synths. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually, um, you might, I had it last week, but I didn't really play it very much. Uh, I've been digging into that. It's quite interesting. A lot of voices, but uh, I might mention a little bit about what I've, my initial discoveries are of it anyway, because uh, you may or may not be interested. I'm not sure whether you will, Mark, but uh, if you're not... Yeah. You could just stay quiet. <laughs> anyway, Mark Doty, of course, Bob Mook Foundation, where he's the archivist, <laughs> uh, video guy, all sorts of things he does there. So do check out his great work. So thanks for joining us, Mark. It's been a pleasure to have you so Thank far. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, 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 that sounds like I was about to stop the show. It's not, honestly. I told you my brain was fried. Anyway, let's head over to... Oh, wow. Look at that, man. Hey, man. This is a Glastonbury casualty, Mr. Gaz Williams. Yep. Yep. Uh, Absolutely, like fried. Anyone who goes to Glastonbury knows it takes about a week to sort of uh, just to get back to normality. It's such a removal from uh, just everyday life. It's uh, it it's an amazing sense of freedom. I think Glastonbury is brilliant. It's amazing it's still happening. But I had a really excellent time of things, uh, and I got to do quite a few gigs there in the end. So I had a main gig on one of the main stages, but then played did like an improvised vocal gig just with singing with uh, the world government, a brilliant Bristol funk band, in a backstage party at the acoustic tent. Ah. And um, we had a great fun. But it's like on the spot, kind of just making up lyrics on the spot and uh, and trying to sort of remain sane, but just, just lapsing into just, just, just like... I should, you know. I should point out that the acoustic stage uh, uh, party always used to be the famous night because I used to run the acoustic stage uh, stage, you know, the uh, stage manager there for for a while, and that that was usually the crew party. So it, you'd end up it, it, 
basically it's at the end of the festival when everybody is completely wiped out and uh, yeah but I'm glad you had a good one there Gaz Gaz of course also bass player you may have seen we posted a video that Ed who was also at Glastonbury one of our other contributors saw of you uh, in action on the one of the stages so uh, that was very that, popular that was playing with uh, that, was that was playing cool. with Matuki ah cool Matuki it was his first ever gig and it was on you know so it was uh, it was great fun to go and play a big stage on, on the first ever gig as well it's been quite a few months rehearsal but um you know, it went down really well. Excellent. And, uh, and it's Afrobeat. It's funky. It was sunny. You know, what's not to like? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Brilliant. Really absolutely. great. Well, great. I'm <laughs> glad you had a good time. We're going to talk a bit more about Glastonbury later. Um, but uh, m- meanwhile, we've got more guests. Can you believe it? Richard Hilton is over there in uh, Connecticut, uh, where it's also swelteringly hot, I'd imagine. And uh, he is keyboard player for Chic, a man accustomed to playing festivals, large stages and all that sort of thing. So... Uh, just you know another day at the office but also where he works at the studio and uh, making waxing hot records for uh, mr Nile rogers as well how are you rich very well thank you good i'm glad to hear that uh you got glastonbury envy or because uh, you played last year uh, famously and it was a real was it last year yes it was last year where it was 13 13 year before uh, may, maybe just a tiny bit but we did a huge gig in hyde park the week before That's right, so i have nothing to complain about <laughs> you <laughs> probably played to all of those people anyway because they probably just went straight down the glass i i must so notice um because uh, i think lionel richie experienced the uh, the glastonbury phenomena because he played this year and he came off yeah. stage and they interviewed him and he just looked completely blown away by what happened how many people knew he, the words to his he songs had, he had the biggest crowd of the whole weekend really that's interesting yeah bigger bigger than all the big headliners he he pulled the biggest crowd to the pyramid bigger than even uh, <coughs> Kanye west who was appalling oh, i'm afraid Kanye west has has done an, an an extraordinary thing to his career you know he's really he's absolutely devastated any any shred of credibility within the british music scene you know it's um it wasn't a fa- it, it wasn't his finest hour or glastonbury's finest hour it's, has quite, to be said. it's quite astonishing but you know he is a he is an enigma and a unique character and i'm kind of glad it, it is yeah i know what you mean but it would have helped if he'd been actually better as well <laughs> that would have been okay anyway i, I haven't got round to rob robbie have you got glastonbury envy it's not all that far from where you are uh, in the world uh, I had I had a terrible gig nightmare at the weekend. Though we were playing at Olympic Park in Village in London, and um, I left I left Maidenhead where where my parents live at eleven in the morning. And it's bear in mind this is a twenty eight mile journey to get to Olympic Park Village. I got there at ten to four, ten minutes before I was on stage. Oh my god! Whoa! I was like I went I didn't realise I went into London. There was Gay Pride. There was Veterans Day. There was something else. Every single thing got diverted, and I was literally—I literally got there, put my stage clothes on, ran on stage, played the gig. It was just like the most horrendous uh, stress ever. Oh well, well done. How did the gig go, though? Did you release all great. of that tension? It went great. Yeah, it went great. We got a, thank goodness we got a good tech who managed got it all everything sorted. But wow. um, yeah, every, everyone was ringing me from the band to Howard, like going, "Where are you? Where are you? Where are you?" Well, this is a good. Ex- this is yeah. see. This this means that next time uh, you'll have to use Howard's helicopter for your for your own <laughs> your own purposes, rather than his uh, just sightseeing around uh, you know various parts of the world, right? 
can live without that stress again, I can tell you. Of course, Robbie Bronman, <laughs> the, the reason we're talking about this gig, Robbie Bronman is uh, MD and um, sort of keyboard player and runs the show effectively for the Howard Jones Experience, um, which I, I seem to have christened him as. I, I quite like the idea of that on a poster, the Howard Jones Experience. <laughs> Yeah, I like that as well. I'll float the idea. Yeah, see how it goes. I, I don't want. Yeah, yeah. I don't want any credit. Just maybe a, a, a you know a ticket or two when when it comes to my. Yeah. <laughs> when they become works of art and collectors' items because they only lasted for like twenty four hours before everyone went. What a stupid idea. Anyway, right. Well, let's get on with it, shall we? Hold on. I think I've just got got a one one more thing. Uh, yeah. Well, I wanted to start with a sort of notion of Glastonbury because obviously you know both uh, Gaz and uh, Robbie have played. Um, kind of last minute festival or type, you know large venue gigs and this whole notion of you know you rock up and you do your thing but it kind of introduced a sort of wider um, notion about the thought of monitoring stage monitoring particularly because as we as or many of us know what happens when you're in the rehearsal room in the studio you're working on your things you do your stuff you go on stage and it's not what you expect to hear at all and then you have to make all these compromises well what do I only need to hear to be able to actually perform to the best of my abilities and that is quite a difficult transition for many people because it, it, it comes it's, it's a bit like when you hear your own voice recorded for the first time and you go god is that me and you know I, I, sadly I've, I've got over that many years ago but I just was curious about how that whole thing works because I mean most of you guys are, are, have got some experience of this and I know um, when I was doing a lot of live sound engineering quite often the front of the house would be doing monitors as well which in many ways makes it easier if, especially if it's your band because you know what they want and you know what's missing when they're missing the note or missing the something whereas if you've got your own monitor guy then he does that but sometimes you don't get any of that stuff and you've just got to kind of wing it and i was just curious um gaz you played a couple of gigs on different sort of size venue stages are you still there you seem to have frozen yeah 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 ah. yeah have i frozen you have you, you've frozen in quite an artistic poignant sort of pose <laughs> okay. you're sort of staring into the middle distance looking quite uh maybe <laughs> yeah, but, a bit like jeff lynn yeah I like that. Because <laughs> you mentioned this as well. You, you mentioned you had some issues with monitoring. And, and, and also the fact that the other fact was that, you know, you've got this issue of being much further apart, perhaps, than you usually are, right? Ah. If the monitoring isn't right. Uh... Yeah, a bit, like, a bit like this show at the moment, by the thing. Maybe, Gaz, what you need to do is, uh, if you hang up and come back to us, then maybe we can, uh, maybe we can pick you up. But uh, let's go to, uh, well, Robbie. I mean, you showed up at this gig and... Well, we, 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 we learned this a long time ago because because of our lineup, we don't have to contend with loads of open mics, which is often the bane of the live of the monitor uh, guy. Yes. So, but, but we do have a lot of channels, and it's quite a lot of stuff that um, often the monitor guys are a bit freaked out about when we say, can we have the vocal effects that are coming from Ableton back in this and that? And it's all a bit alien because it's not like their normal, their normal gig. So... We learned quite a while ago that we were just going to take the law into our own hands. So we, we travel with the Roland V-mixing system. Um, so we have our own front of house desk, which is tiny, which has just got 24 fl flying faders. And it runs down Ethernet to the front of house. And we all have our own on-stage stage boxes for mixing our own live sound. And generally, I we turn up to a gig, we turn them on. I adjust the level of Howard's vocal in it, because of depending what the room's like or the gig. And I have a feed for a separate sub for the amount of bass I want, and that's it. And I never change anything, and it's the same sound every gig. Uh, yeah. um, and it's just and it's the same for everyone, for me, for the drummer, for Howard. That's all we have to contend with, and it, and it just works every time. And it doesn't 
make you rely on anyone at a festival, which is what we don't want to have to do. Yeah, I think that's probably quite a smart move in many ways. And what about the notion of, because obviously when you're in production rehearsals, presumably you're much closer together, so things like eye contact and the sense of timing that you get. Um, perhaps, perhaps not in this gig, but you know, those are things that you, you have to kind of, it take, takes a little bit of time to get used to, right? Well, we always set up in a triangle formation and we try and set up in rehearsals in exactly the same way. Um, with Howard kind of at the apex of it and my, myself to one side and Johnny. But on stage, we generally, we don't, if we've got a big stage, we don't generally spread it all out really across the stage. Otherwise, it just looks silly. Three people kind of disparate, kind of in <laughs> Two like blokes in the corner and somebody in the middle, yeah. <laughs> so we kind of still kind of focus it as a quite, quite a compact unit in the middle and let Howard work the stage with his guitar and you know, the visuals <laughs> and all that. He, wor- he really does work the stage with the guitar. That is such a... Yeah. You know, he 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 is so good on the guitar. He is a he a guitar he master. Totally their existence. <laughs> there could be a surf gag in there. I'm thinking of the word guitaro. How do you think? How do you feel about oh. that? I think that's that's almost, oh. almost a gag. It was actually oh. very fortuitous because for years we he literally was one of the first people to adopt the KX5. You know, the Yamaha, the classic Yamaha, and he's been very disparaging of any other guitar over the years because he's got this whole bee in his bonnet that. All the other ones have big keys, and they just look like you're strapping a piano around your neck. So, um, unfortunately, he bought up all the last stocks of the KX5s, literally, when Yamaha stopped doing them. And we had, like, six in, new in the box, and we'd kind of gone through them over We've the years. Worn them and, the and the last one literally got worn out on last year's tour, just in time for Korg to release their one with mini keys, and he's now totally in love ah, with that. That's interesting. So, what what yes. was it that went on them, just out of interest? Sometimes the, the the logic board on the MIDI. Sometimes keys would keys would just stop working, so we wouldn't have a full keyboard. Sometimes a strip. You know, it's just you know one of those things. But yeah, the cork one's great because it's got the strip along the front, uh, the long okay. ribbon, as well as the one on the neck. Excellent. Well, that's worth knowing if you're looking for a keytar. Uh, Mark, yeah. are you looking for one of those? I mean, do you? I, you, you, I mean, when we first met, you were coming over to bar uh, to England and playing gigs. You know, you were doing sort mm-hmm. of one-man shows. Was it one-man shows? Yes. I guess monitoring's not so much of an issue there because you just go, what do I want more of me, please? And that's pretty straightforward. <laughs> but, I mean, presumably, have you been in band situations where you've had to figure out getting the monitoring right? Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, basically for me, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but in my experience, uh, I did a lot of, I was in a band in the aughts, and we did a lot of, uh, touring and playing in various places, including uh, a couple of festivals. And I basically have found that if you, if the sound man is not your sound man, and even sometimes if it is, uh, uh, the keyboard is just never in the monitor mix ever at all. And I basically got used to not being, not having monitoring because I could never hear. And whenever I would complain, it was like a burden. It's like, oh, the keyboard player. He wants to be heard too. What? Oh, okay. And I don't know. So yeah, it's always been a problem from for any live situation for me. Monitoring, it's a nightmare. Hmm, I wonder if that's something to do with the fact of because it's a full range. And generally, with monitor mixes, you try and kind of certainly if you're using wedges, you try and limit the frequency that each instrument occupies, just so that there's not so much stuff going on stage. I don't know, what do you think Rich? I mean, I'm guessing, you know, as we, we spoke to you about the front house sound before and you've got your own monitor guys, but I mean that transition into kind of no, needing to hear what you need, because you're a big band so I mean, I guess you don't need to hear everybody, but sometimes you know, it, with other bands, of course I do. you do. Of course I do. Cool. Why wouldn't I? 
I don't know. I mean, it, sometimes you have to make compromises. It should compromise, sound but... like a record in my head while we're yeah, playing exactly. it. Exactly. Why wouldn't I? No, that's fair enough. Harder to achieve yeah. with... Why would I accept anything less? I like, I like your style, Rich. <laughs> but I mean, as kindly as possible and within the constraints of time, because you don't always get there. Depends on whether or not you know the guy. In our case, 90% of our gigs are done with one of two people or three people that we've worked with before. And one of those guys is, in my mind, the god of monitor engineering. And... Um, the others, we can work. We just have to have a good time to sound check, and everybody has to get a moment with their say. And that moment kind of has to, once it's all been gone through nine people on stage, then you have to play a bit and then have a second round. <laughs> you know, and if you get that, you can get pretty close to what you need most of the time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that, that is... A challenge. I mean, I always used to when I always used to get hired because the bands were large and difficult. Never got really easy ones where it was nice and simple to set up a monitor mix and sort them out. It would be percussionists yeah. and brass. And like you said, Robbie, when there's lots of mics on stage, it makes it really hard, especially with percussionists. You know, why can't I hear my bell tree? You know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> quite, often, quite often, the problem I think with bands, particularly when bands start up, is they don't really know what they need to hear or how to articulate what they want to yeah. hear. That's that's harder. That's harder to kind of for monitor engineers to kind of interpret quite often if a singer you know a singer doesn't have much technical background or whatever i've been in so many situations like that singers just asking random things which really aren't what they need but they think it's kind of going to get them where they want to and it's very hard for the engineers to kind of put their translator on to get to that point yeah yeah and by the same token you have the singer that consistently needs to be louder and while you're making her him or her louder that person is singing quieter and quieter to the point where <laughs> yeah. you can hear an air conditioner yeah. across the room. Yeah, I've, I, I remember that particular job uh, and having that time. It's getting it right to make them project. Uh, I was talking, uh, in fact, uh, when I, I was at uh, Synth Meet, uh, Kimri Beats, uh, Beats Synth Meet this weekend in Cardiff, and I think uh, Mr. Uh, Simon uh, Jones is in the chat room, uh, or he was earlier, so hello to you, um, where he put on a great event. And I, I met um, Thipal Sandra, who said hi to you, Gaz, and he said he's been working with Liz Fraser. And he just said, you know, he was playing keyboards in the gigs, because I, I remember I went to see Liz Fraser, I might have mentioned it on a podcast, um, just ha happened to be playing in Bath. And she, was, she, she sings quieter than she speaks. And she speaks pretty quietly. I mean, it's, and, and it's a psychological thing with her. She's just really not into projecting herself in public. You know, she's very, very uncomfortable with it. And I just remember seeing that. And it, they had, uh, I forget the guy, he's a, a, a Scottish bloke, and he does really big acts. He's the, the main go-to guy who does all of the, um, I think he's called Rob somebody. He does all the uh, avid uh, venue sort of demos. He was there, and he, I remember I did an interview with him. And he's, he's a really experienced, he did Massive Attack as well, which is probably why he got the gig. And even he couldn't manage to make it uh, make it work, though he was trying his damnedest. It was just almost impossible. And sometimes those situations are unavoidable, and you've just got to kind of, mm. I don't know what you've got to do in that situation. If you've got a live drummer, not much you could do, apart from, you know, I don't know what you can do. But anyway, I thought it was just an interesting point, but thank you very much for your input. Uh, maybe what you need is... <laughs> Oh yeah, please. So, we did a main gig and that was great, and the on stage monitoring was great. But we were asked to do like a, a smaller gig. It was still a reasonable sized stage, and in fact, it was actually quite a wide stage, and that's part of the problem. 
but it was quite hurried and there wasn't much um well there was no sound check at all just a very 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 basic line check and there was so bad monitoring and everyone was so far away you could just feel the groove was just you know musicians talk about playing in the pocket and like this was a big saggy baggy coal sack of pocket, <laughs> you know um it was just really hard to sort of you know be bah, it just felt really weird because of the, the time lag oh what the actual and physical they also committed a heinous crime to me <laughs> they supplied my bass backline with a pvt tko amplifier Oh my word! It was awful. Because oh, uh, I played through a lovely eight by ten SVT valve jobby the night, the day before. It, uh, it was a really substandard amplifier, and I was playing like a. Mm, I went down ah, the front. Wait. Oh. Wait. God, that is small. <laughs> if you're lifting that up, Mark, that's pretty small, actually. <laughs> I feel for you, Gaz. <laughs> but I went down the front. <laughs> 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 Should be the PV Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> but it just couldn't it just couldn't deliver the headroom that I wanted. And I went to do a solo and I couldn't I just my, I had I had a complete like uh so I just was doing these big ugly clunks. Clunk! It was a real I was doing a protest solo. I was protesting against this amp. And then it occurred to me a little bit into the solo that a protest solo is no good for anyone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got a dilemma because at the moment I'm just mastering a desk mix to give to all the other band members. And uh and I come up with this thing, I was like, ooh, I could I could snip that bit out, you know, just remove a lip because this will probably be the thing that'll be remembered from the band of that gig so I could just remove a little piece of time and then <laughs> just give it out to everybody else you know but no no what I've, leave done, it in. what I've done is I've kept it in but because I got this joyous thing working again I just dubbed loads of weird little squiggles and OP1-isms in <laughs> to the solo now so it's this really weird psychedelic little odd little thing I thought don't get rid of it turn it into a, a feature you know, Yes. So it's not strictly true, but it is kind of to make up for that uh, amplifier crime. But I mean, you see, that was a monitoring <laughs> issue. I just couldn't get the, you know, and I'm trying to play with big cojones, if you know what I mean. And like, you know, it's sort of, if you, <laughs> you haven't got any. From, uh, it's, yeah. That sounds tricky. Yeah, well, that's difficult. I, I, I can understand your your problem. It feels like this is probably a good place to put that. I thought this topic might run and run, and it's uh, it's provided endless uh, entertainment for me. So uh, thank you very much. But in the meantime, let's just have a little chat from our sponsors. This is the point just afterwards where we announced last week's competition winner, and you get to uh, enter the competition to win ozone. Um, what is it? Ozone uh, isotope ozone. That's assuming I can get the ad to play. This always happens to me. I don't know why it is. Ah, there we go. I, ozone six. It is the de facto mastering standard for many people. In fact, and uh, we have to say, you know, six point one is a great upgrade. We've got 
Essential Mastering Tools, Equalizer, Dynamic, Maximizer, Exciter, Imager, Post Equalizer, Dither and Dynamic EQ, Advanced Only. You can harness the sonic texture of classic analog gear with deeper digital control, make smarter mix decisions with real-time visual feedback, feedback throughout all modules. You can quickly achieve authentic sounds for any genre, and it works really great on the two-bus or on the individual tracks or buses, all sorts of things. So if you want to check out Ozone 6 and you haven't won a copy yet, um, then you should go to isotope.com forward slash Ozone, and there's, as with all of their products, there's a 10 day free demo, and it's, there's lots and lots of really brilliant uh, tutorial material, manuals, all sorts of stuff, and creative ways that you could use that. So, do check it out. And of course, we do have a winner from last week. Last week's winner, uh, we asked you to tweet out uh, Deep Digital Control as a hashtag and Ozone 6, of course, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Week, uh, Inc. And uh, last week's winner is a chap called Luca Proetti. And his, um, let me see, I've, I've made that text very small. It's actually very hard for me to see. So let me see if I can make that a bit bigger. Uh, it, oh, no, I can't. It's Luca Pro, at Luca Pro. So if you get in touch with uh, me via Twitter or uh, anyone at Sonic State, then we will pass your details on to the Isotope Fairy, who is lightning fast at the moment. She's a very responsive fairy. We've got fairy number two in this position, and she is super quick. So uh, thank you very much, and um, please do check out Ozone 6.1. But there is also another competition for this week. So this week uh, we're talking, uh, we want you to tweet the hashtag 4EQ modes. That's 4EQ modes, one word, and the hashtag Ozone6, with 6 on the end if you're not watching this on video, and to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And, of course, there are many more characters available in a tweet, so you should uh, fill it up with something amusing or something that you wanted to say to us or to Isotope, or just generally speaking, we're perfectly happy to read them. And thank you very much for entering uh, in advance, and also thanks to Isotope for um, sponsoring the show. Right, uh, I have a video. Now, this was something I shot at... Uh Cymru Beats, this is the AJH Mini Mod. These are. Let's see if I can turn those on a bit. There we go. These are essentially they're recreations of the Model D circuitry and discrete Eurorack components. Uh, and uh, Alan has basically spent quite a long time working on these. I'll, I'll stop that now because he starts talking and it's not so interesting to listen over the podcast because I'm talking too. Just a really interesting idea, and from what I gather, they sound absolutely fantastic. Um, the thing that I find quite interesting about this is this, because we've had this whole notion of reboots, and obviously, you know, this is an, a different sort of flavour, because we've had the ARP Odyssey, and we've had the also the Korg Odyssey, we've had the MS-20 Mini. So there's actually quite a lot of potential here for sort of discreetly manufacturing individual components of synthesizers. I don't know, Mark, I know I'm going to come to you first, because obviously, you know, you, you, you work for the Moog Foundation, which is not Moog itself. But um, have you heard anything about these things? I mean, they seem kind of quite keenly priced, and I don't know what the, the thought is. I did ask Alan about it, and he said, well, we haven't, you know, we're not actually calling them the M word, so I, I don't know what uh, uh, what you think about them, but they're supposed <laughs> to be pretty cool. I know you haven't got any modular stuff, so I suppose it's going to be something you'd have to dive into fully. Eurorack, I mean. And I think it would be worth it. Oh, am I? Can yeah, I, no, no, I, I can seem hear. to be like pretty terrible. I can, okay. I can hear you. Um, and, and I think it'd be. Uh, I think it would be totally worth it. I mean, I have always said, why not go back and grab the exact components of these synthesizers and make them? Because there's really, there's no such thing as a patent on the Minimoog or any of that technology, really. So, 
I mean, there's obviously the word is trademarked, but uh, that technology, you can't trademark the technology. So I think this is fantastic, and I'm really curious about how it sounds. I was a little bit worried, though, when he said that they made the oscillator more stable, because, I mean, part of that sound of the RA Moog is how unstable the oscillator is. So I worry that if you stabilize the oscillator, you might have lost, uh, well, while gaining tuning, you might have lost some of the unpredictability yeah mojo if you know what i mean yeah yeah i know yeah. i understand that 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 that's actually a very good point i think he addressed it in the sense that they've tried to make it a bit more stable but they obviously that the, the fine line is kind of how far do you go because you sort of want you want it to work but you also want it to have that character and that's a very good point uh, anything else you'd like to see actually uh, created uh, along these lines because there's a lot there's so much stuff out there sort of classic stuff I well, I mean, I don't. Some of the t uh, some of the schematics still exist. I'd love to see the Moog Lyra come back. Uh, there was only one of them made, and uh, I'm really curious about it because it's one of the few synthesizers that Bob directly had his hands in. Uh, unlike so many of the later Moog synthesizers that Bob was uh, not involved in, he was involved with the Lyra, and I'd love to see that come back, but, uh, yeah, I don't know how likely that's going to be. Let's see if I can find it. That, ah, hold on, there, there seems to be a picture here. Let me see if I can find a picture. That, oh, hold on, that's the wrong one. Uh, that's what I want to see. Video plays <laughs> when you don't want it to. Bloody hell. Right, so that is that the Moog, is that what you're talking about? Yep. Yes. Let me see if I can make that bigger. Oh, it looks a it bit like one of those Korg, um, one of the old Korg piano strings things, actually. It's got the same sort of form factor. Is that it? That's the only one that exists. <laughs> That's mental. Yes. <laughs> it was part of the constellation used by uh, Emerson. Uh, but it just never made it into production. And it's really sad because I've never heard one. In fact, you know, most people haven't, although Keith Emerson did use it in recordings. And it does exist in recordings. But uh, it's a really interesting and unique synthesizer, especially from Moog, if you look at the architecture of it. And I'd love to see someone bring that back. Well, that sounds good. That sounds like a great idea. I know, Rich, I mean, um, these things are apparently, I know you, you haven't gone... Uh, for the full Eurorack experience just yet, I'm sure. By the by, the time we finish broadcasting Sonic Talks, uh, episode, <laughs> when we reach maybe episode 2000 or something, I'm, I'm determined. I'm determined <laughs> to see a modular behind me, right? But this is a yeah. pretty cool uh, notion, you think? Yes, very much. I was. I loved this video. Dig the guy. The stuff he played. The, those oscillators sounded great. I didn't. We didn't spend too much time with the filter in that video. No. Or the envelopes. But the oscillators sounded fantastic, and I had every reason to believe that everything else would be of similar and equal design quality. And his discussion of how he steps voltages up and down to make sure that the internal voltages in those modules in a Euro rack are behaving like the originals was fascinating to me. And uh, in general, it was highly enjoyable video. Nick, Good. I commend you and that nice gentleman who mm -hmm. built those modules. Well, thank you. I, I think they're about they ru they're roughly <laughs> around about. I think they go from about 150. Uh, was it 150 to 245? I think I didn't. I don't. There might have been one 299 or so. The oscillator, I think, was the most expensive. 245. One. I think that was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then the and the filter, I think, was 199 or 195 yeah. in in pounds. How but how that's much does still. How much does it cost to build a a Model D? I guess it's going to be around about a grand, isn't it? A thousand pounds. So I would imagine something like that. 
house, maybe five more. Plus case plus all that. Yeah, that's true. But assuming yeah, you maybe more. fifty, you, probably fifteen by the time you're done. Yeah, I suppose so. Unless you already have that. I don't know, Robbie. You've got you. Have you got room for one of these? I mean, it does take an entire width. Although that, he did a, have a couple. I've got the old um, the rack mount move. You know, the Voyager rack mount. Ah, yeah, got you. Yeah, so um, I love that. It's my mm -hmm. kind of. It's it, for me. It's the nice, It's the perfect blend of of something I can turn on and rely on, and a bit of that kind of sound. So um, that, yeah, that... I mean, I mean, as I've said before, my my interest in Euro rack is more is not trying to kind of recreate classic analog synths in Eurorack format. My interest in the Eurorack is to have is to is to use all the kind of weird weird, you know, weird and wonderful modules that are outside of that world and create some more of a kind of a processing, sound processing right. kind of experimental right. thing. So I kind of I, I you know, I, I think it's great for people who want to dip their toes into that and, you know, get a bit of experience with that kind of sound. But I don't think I don't think it's something I I particularly look into kind of it's the same with the Roland modules as well, you know the the new ones, the 500, system, 500. Again, I like I love the idea of it, and I think it's great that for you know in one row you could get essentially a whole, you know a whole voice or two voices of a system, 100 stroke 700 or whatever it is. But it's not really what I'm wanting to do with my right. Euro rack. One thing that was kind of also quite uh, illuminating. Uh, see how I. I almost avoided saying interesting there. At the, uh, um, at the, at the Cymru Beats was uh, how many people had A, microbrutes in their setups, and B, make noise modules. They were everywhere. And also um, the, uh, the clouds. God, who's that guy? Wow. Sorry? Mutable instruments. Mutable instruments. Lots of that stuff there. And those seemed to be very popular brands. I mean, there wasn't an enormous number of people. Most of the guys who were there were performing. Um, but they had that kind of stuff, you know, and that was really quite uh, an eye-opener in many ways. Because we, we, I've got a piece, I think I put it up today, with Adam John Williams, who we spoke about. He, he was performing there, and he had uh, a mutable, uh, a new three, I think it was, and also a microbrute. And then uh, the somatic responses guys had microbrute and a lot of 4MS stuff and some Pittsburgh. But the, 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 the other guy who I haven't put the video out for, VCO ADSR, who is fantastic. When you meet him, you think he's a sort of jolly, nice, enthusiastic sort of guy. He doesn't strike me as a, a, an analogue sort of techno performer monster that he actually is when you see him do it. And he's got one of those uh, Circlon um, sequences, and his stuff was just mind-blowing. It really was pretty good. Um, but, yeah, really cool stuff. I don't know, Gaz, did you have anything you wanted to add to the, uh, the, the notion of the AJH and Moog modules? Mini mod modules, rather. It may be the gateway drug. <laughs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about it. I've always wanted. I've always wanted a Model D. I, I, I borrowed one off Typo Sandra once for a while, and it was just a pleasure and a joy to have hold of. And you know, as good as the Voyager is, I don't know. It's something. It's just different. It's different. I, I think it's the simplicity of the Model D was so lovely. Um, and just to be able to recreate that, ooh. yeah. But then, in within that framework, yeah, lots of mod possibilities else, there. Yeah, oh, guy, that's tempting. That's you know, my antenna went up a little bit on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, it could be the time. I and mean, the other thing that was interesting, he he told me a story about, uh, and and I had heard this about the fact that the original design of the filter. There was a miscalculation in the electronics, and that, so in fact the filter had been driven by 15 to 20 dB more than was was originally specified, which actually sort of 
created the sound that, that, that people then kind of felt, fell in love with. So they kept it. And I, just that little nugget of information, I think I posted a Facebook video of that. And I just thought that is a beautiful little kind of synopsis of the whole thing. How it, that sort of happy accident created essentially an entire genre and, and a whole you know legacy of sound in many ways you know that was just, that was great i'm sure you're familiar with that particular story have you got any other facts that yes. he didn't name the guy i mean i don't know i, I i'm guessing it, it was... was jim scott ah okay yeah so there's jim two there's two, si- there's two sides to that isn't there first of all it's like what have you done you blew it you you didn't do what you were supposed to do but on the other side but you created something super fantastic so yeah well, yeah, it's hard to imagine Bob being okay with such a thing or letting such a thing uh, happen because he was so precise and he was so intent on being precise. But a lot of the Minimoog happened when Bob was out of town, actually when he was in England uh, talking to EMS about the uh, VCS-3. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so some of that design happened while Bob was out of town, but Bob also had an incredibly musical ear, and undoubtedly he heard that and was like, okay, you know. But yeah, the whole Minimoke story is incredible and bizarre, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy story. Well, we certainly wish uh, AJH Synth. If you want to go to ajhsynth.com uh, and you can check out his, uh, his range of stuff, uh, they're also available in a rather sexy black um, livery as well, um, which is a new look, which has different knob caps because uh, you've got the. Uh, let me see. Oh no, I haven't. I can't see. There's the. There's the silver one. That's right. And then there's uh, that's the full model D, and then there's the uh, black one, which I think will probably come up in a second. Anyway, let's move onwards and upwards. This is uh, also pretty awesome. This is. Uh, a trailer for a film called LFO, which actually was out a little while ago. This came, this was sent in by a chap called Ben1210, who uh, left a message to me on uh, YouTube, which uh, which in the summer is great because there's... Uh, well, any time is great, but in the summer when topics are generally a little uh, light on the ground, this was... this Basically, the story of this is a guy who discovers... He's messing around in his basement, and he discovers a combination of waves that can affect people and hypnotise them. And he sort of turned it into this kind of sci-fi comedy thriller type uh, film, which I'd love to see, actually. I haven't had a chance to check it out, but it, it, it did very, very well. And what, Interestingly enough, it was written by the guy who, I don't know if you've ever re- read it, a guy called Patrick Carlson, who wrote a book called The Hundred-Year-Old Man Who Jumped Out the Window and uh, Disappeared, which is a brilliant book, uh, really, really good book. So I'm expecting the writing of this film is going to be great. But a really interesting notion, oh, damn, I got one in there, uh, that um, you can create <laughs> specific combinations, because we've all, you know, we may know of theta waves where you collect two low frequencies that create a beat that's even more low, and if you amplify it enough, it does really weird things to biological material. Uh, and I just wondered if there, if there were any other uh, effects that, you know, you, you synthesists or people who've uh, been working with sound have come across that have really strange effects on people. Uh, I just say, yeah. I, 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 in, in, in very diligent manner i went and downloaded this movie from itunes last night and watched it oh excellent is it good oh, wow. yeah. tell me it's yeah. good it's good i it did enjoy it it's, it's got some really kind of it's got some really geeky things about it that excellent. you know sit people and little kind of subversive little references that only geeky music people would know but yeah it's, it's kind of really out there random it's and it's a little bit hokey but it's worth definitely worth seeing for any musos yeah. oh excellent Oh, well, I'm glad. And it's got a great soundtrack. The soundtrack, I think, is great. It would absolutely have to, wouldn't it? 
and it was just made apparently, and like I said, it was just made with just a uh, an analog four. The really? soundtrack, Electron. the whole soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is interesting. Hmm. But uh, I mean, on this, on the tote, I mean. Mark, I'm guessing a man of many synthesizers. Have you ever found that certain synthesizer tones or combinations have uh, s- uh, strange effects on the, the listening uh, listener? Well, they certainly do to me, but I haven't been able to engage in any sort of mind control despite extensive efforts. I mean, you guys think I'm a demonstrator, but really I'm testing out each synthesizer to see if I can get all of you to do what I want. So far it hasn't been that effective, uh, but I keep trying. So this this movie is kind of an inspiration to me. So. It is. It is good. I mean, there are. Um, you know, th- th- there must be. I mean, in the way that fifths have a sort of uh, very pleasing effect in certain scales, and those sort of inter- oscillator intervals and pulse width does it for me. You know, there are there are certain things that just really do make. Uh, and I guess you know, in many ways, the super saw exists because it gives people this idea of an army of synthesizers all playing at the same time that kind of have a you know have an effect so i suppose there are there probably are numerous examples in many ways of of how this could work well one of the things that i think about and i've been using a continuum lately and it's like changed my life uh, and i can't get enough of it and largely uh-huh. it ties into one of the things that's true about synthesis in general and i know some people will be like what no but really the human voice is what really guides us musically and the things that instruments do that are similar to what our voices do i mean the whole filter sweep is the reason we love that so much is because it's so similar to what we do with our mouths and i mean Uh a filter sweep is literally a thing that we do with our mouths and we love it because it's 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 a fun thing it's a fun noise to make with our mouths as well as here but I really think that we do have the power to affect people's emotions to some degree. I mean, it's the whole point of music with synthesis. But as for actual direct control, I don't know. There's a, in the chat room, uh, one day, uh, Sonic 7608. Uh, so one day I was messing with a comb filter and ultimately uh, produced a sound that made my friend yell out. He then apologized, saying, sorry, that sound just made me realize that one day I will cease to exist. Now, that's a pretty powerful uh, sound. I know, Rich, uh, I mean, you, you've kind of, uh, in terms of music recording and production, I mean, there are, are there, are there combinations of sound that do strange things to people that have a specific effect, you know, outside of the, the, the kind of uh, the way of supporting the vocal or making the bass drum sound a certain way that have a sort of physical or psychological uh, reaction? I'm trying to decide if there's a sound or a set of sounds that doesn't. Ah, well, that's a, that's a really good answer, yeah. <laughs> to some degree, of course, yeah. Um, it seems to me all sound does. <laughs> From spoken communications with language to sung melodic stuff, or the birds gather around out here out the window sometimes, there's music playing. Um, and then I witness our concerts as a band and when we come together those particular people and make a particular noise that we make it seems to elicit a certain response and i'm not ready to like i'm not pavlov or anything but there's some (laughs) kind of correlation going on and i can't really describe it to you anymore specifically than that so i mean yes i see what you're saying i mean the psychoacoustics and the, the the uh the the psychology of that is immensely complicated 
that's a, that's interesting a, a notion um, Gaz you're also you're a bass player so obviously your uh, ability to uh, fundamentally affect people in the low frequency has uh, must be there must be certain notes well perhaps for certain rooms that do things to people yeah I mean um, playing Fuji Rock in 2013 with Carl Hyde um, that rig has just got the most amazing bottom end uh, it's the so it's Fuji Rock Festival's out in the mountains. There's no noise. There's no noise limiters on them, uh, so you get a really brilliant sound. <laughs> so the reason I mentioned in that was, I think I don't know. It was playing a tune that was in C. Right. So, so a C, and it's not. That's not a particularly low note, but it just seemed to have this enormous, beautiful texture in that situation so i think um sometimes you have different relationships sometimes some keys where you're playing just sound amazing i don't you know i wonder why that is you know whether there's just some sort of hmm. i don't know it's like a harmonic resonance sorry robbie i was gonna say that's always that was always the bane of my life when i did a lot of remix work was times you get a song and it's in an absolutely great key and everything you did together and it's great and then sometimes it would come in the most god-awful key where bass lines just sounded like they were either too high or they were just bottoming out and you could never quite get that you know that sweet spot and you would end up trying to overdrive the bass to bring out the harmonics and you know there is definite there is definitely keys and stuff that are much more satisfying than others for certain types of music yeah 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 I suppose in many ways it also depends uh, to a degree on the advance in listening technologies as well. You know, as uh, speakers and everything's become more efficient and we can produce a wider range of frequencies, you know, some type, you know that, that window of effectivity is going to be shifting in time, uh, uh, particularly now where we can get kind of quite large bass responses, even though somehow it's synthesised itself out of small speakers, you could still kind of generate that sense of excitement. And I wonder if many ways... The whole notion of this sort of tubed toothpaste waveform, the loudness wars, effectively they recreate the notion of everything, of something being really loud, like when you're in a gig and you just get that sense of excitement, the kind of pumping compression that just is, it, it, it's an, a, um, an affectation. It's something that we, that we use to sort of make us feel like we are at the club or are experiencing those sounds maybe. I don't know. Mm. I can only apologise. There are so obviously it's hot where everybody is, and the fans at everybody's rooms are going crazy, which is why there's a lot of background <laughs> noise today because it's just sort of thirty degrees mostly in in most places. But yeah, anyway, um, um, th- that looks like a really good fun um, uh, film to watch, and I will, Robbie, uh, check that out. Uh, you got it on yeah. iTunes, so uh, yes, what's yes, it? It's on iTunes. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. Nick, can, yes. we, can we just make a very quick insert to sort of about Chris Squire from Yes, who's sadly passed away. Sure. Just because he's my biggest influence, and uh, I, ah, uh, it was an hour before, in the hour just as, no, sorry, ten minutes before I was going on stage I found out about it, uh, and it was quite a weird feeling because he, he's a huge influence on me, but we were talking about sound, his sound... The bass sounds that he got, especially on those early classic Yes albums, wow, there's something quite cosmic about the, that quality of sound. I'm sure Rich would agree with me on that. The, mm-hmm. the, Chris, the, the Chris Squire tone, it's, wow, he got the sound. He really transformed the bass guitar, I think. 
Wow. Well, I, I'm not familiar with much of Yes's work, so I, I, I'll have to go back and have a listen, but that's no, a fair point. Well, if you take, take a song like uh, Heart of the Sunrise and the, the, just the kind of the driving sound of the bass guitar on that is such a thrilling sound. It's, you know, wow. And no one, people have tried to play like that, but no one has really not, he's, no one really quite got it. He had something that is, I still listen to it. It's smoking. He's so good. Excellent. Well, if I may jump on Gaz's point for a moment, one of the things he was able to do was create bass melodies that were as recognizable and hummable as the main song melodies were. And quite often, as you go through sections of their songs, you'd be kind of humming along with the bass melody. Ah, I see so what you mean. Really distinctive in that way. His melodic contribution. And his willingness to abandon just playing roots and creating uh, long walking lines that had uh, bass notes that were not necessarily the roots of the chords. Well, amen to that. And uh, thank you very much for that extra contribution. Um, I've put a gate across you, Mark, because uh, your fan is the, uh, bizarrely, even though you say it's not that hot there, is, uh, is, the, th- is the one. And now uh, Rich seems to have switched devices. He's, be- he's now... He's well, now- yeah. I had a power outage that Whoa. caused me to completely disconnect. So the first thing that came up was the router. So I got on my laptop instead. Oh, well, thank well, you. That's, that's what that's what we call sort of real talk. That's the thing about live, folks. It, anything can happen and just did. So anyway, thank you. Uh, right, I've I got, actually turned my fan off. So I'm not I, think sure. it's ju- I think it's just the way that things happen. I mean, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, this, this is another pr- uh, video that's, quite, uh, that's got got me thinking and i wondered about how you would do these things and i found this video uh first of all Welcome. this is a video on how to internet. do stuff on with an Today oscillator i'm going to show you a scope. how to draw mushrooms on an oscilloscope as you do with sound <laughs> we're gonna use our left audio channel for horizontal deflection and our right audio channel for vertical deflection now first we need a sine wave on our horizontal deflection channel and a cosine wave on our vertical deflection channel. Together they add up to a beautiful circle. We can alter its size and shape by increasing or decreasing the volume of both channels. Now we add a sawtooth wave form to the right channel. Our circle or ellipse turns into a spiral. This to is doing funny things to me. To the shape of a mushroom, we need to multiply our left channel. With I thoroughly recommend you watch that. But um, the, re- the reason I brought this up was this. Uh, this, uh, this again came from uh, David Bernhardt, uh, who who's sent in a topic. This is uh, these the, these videos are by a chap called Jerobeam uh, Fenderson, uh, who has started a Kickstarter. He's making a sort of art music that looks great on oscilloscope, audio visual album, and software. And he's got a Kickstarter with six days to go. And look, he's only whatever that is, $330 away from his $10,000 goal, <laughs> 10,000 euro goal, sorry, uh, to create uh, this, this, this album. And the idea is, and there are videos of you know, him, him doing, this is how to make this, and this is how to make these other sounds. But uh, if you were to back this, you get, not only will you get the album, but you also get this piece of software and, and the, the patches to work on pure data to create these beautiful shapes. And uh, I just thought it was a really beautiful idea. I know we've talked a little bit about uh, creating sounds to 
that I think Chris Chris Clark does stuff where, uh, and there are other artists who make videos based on you know the scope, just so, uh, and that goes along with the music, but it has a little relation to it. And this just seemed like such a a, a lovely idea, and I don't know, uh, Mark, have you have you messed around with the scope much and sort of tried to do any scope art? I well, I've never tried to do. I just basically been able to create a lot of really beautiful waveforms. Um, there's a number of them in my Mac Pro video videos where I was comparing different waveforms from uh, different synthesizers. But I don't know, this, I look at this and when he's talking about sine waves, we're not hearing sine waves and I kind of feel like that's what's going on there. And yeah, I don't know, but certainly waveforms are beautiful, but I, I don't really understand the mechanism of this and how it actually relates to the sounds being made. Could you make any sound into the shape of a mushroom, or is he saying that you have to use this combination of waveforms? Because even if you add a sawtooth to a sine wave, I don't understand how that makes a spiral. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm confused by the whole thing. Hmm, yeah, no, I take your point, but I guess uh, that's down to a bit of experimentation. I've never, I've, we've got a scope here which I wanted to use for illustrating, but I've never been able to get it to look right <laughs> always seems mm -hmm. offset or there's some dc offset even though i bought a scope that's specifically designed to not have that it seems to uh, i've got to spend a bit more time with it and see how i can fix that kind of stuff but there, there's some there's some euro wrap modules that do this don't they there, there's like a, a kind of a little under underswell of like euro wrap modules that are designed for outputting visuals ah sort of video stuff yeah well, yeah i've seen a couple i've seen a couple on 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 matrix synths and things in the past so uh, that must be something that's kind of being explored yeah i guess so there's also this this beautiful thing which actually uh, yeah. i think um vco adsr had one in his rack this is the uh, o'toole um amoled um uh os oscilloscope which does look absolutely beautiful actually and i did think about getting one of those but then i realized i, I would have trouble outputting the screen into any meaningful forward and i have to point a camera at it but it's a nice idea yeah. um I, I guess you know i mean it seems like you know vi certainly visually because you do a lot of stuff for the visual work with um mr jones uh, i'm you know I, I could see his waveforms having a having a place there in some some yeah, I, I, form. I, I love the idea of that i mean there's there's certain aspects i think there's 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 um visuals generating um capabilities with a bit of max for live that you can do integrated in ableton ah. well it's just another area i just haven't yeah. We haven't explored, but it's definitely yeah, it's definitely an interesting area. It's, it's nice. It's nice when you get that real synergy of sound and visuals that are together, as opposed to just random images that some DJs just putting up to fill the backspace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did notice because I watched a, a bit of Glastonbury coverage, and there seemed to be certainly on the main televised stages a lot of really kind of advanced visual stuff. Uh, that Chemi was that was the Chemical Brothers I saw particularly, but they were superimposing that, so it was jumping out of the screen, which got mm. really distracting for me. I'd rather have seen what, yeah. they were, what they were actually using rather than sort of bit bit graphics. Sorry, Gaz. The Flying the Flying Lotus stage. Uh, Flying Lotus did an amazing show, um, and the visuals on that. I don't know if that was being televised, um, but I, don't it, I, I think it. I think it has actually. But Flying Lotus, they they did a thing where it looked like he was in a cube, sort of. Uh, and yeah, mm. yeah, it's supposed to be really, really good, actually. I know because uh, Rich, you went to see Eamon Tobin, didn't you? Because we talked about his his whole thing, and that was amazing. From what you were saying, I guess it was. Uh, do you have a do you have a scope at your disposal to do some? No, I don't. Not here. No, <laughs> no, I don't. 
No, not here. I have worked in electronic shops where there were scopes, but I've never used it in the way that we're talking about. I think it's a lovely idea, though, and uh, perhaps something mm-hmm. you can check out. So if you want to check that out, do go to Kickstarter. Uh, oh, hold on, where's the page there? It's the, uh, I think the, the project is called uh, Oscilloscope Music, which I'm guessing you, let's see if we've actually influenced uh, any of that. So 670, no, we haven't managed to raise him any more money, but uh, maybe we will ultimately, and it'd be nice to see that product, project come to fruition. Um, right, well, that kind of leaves um, Against the Clock, which I uh, found. This is for Fact Magazine. <laughs> Which is uh, basically get a bunch of um, people who work sort of solo electronic music producers, I'm guessing, to create a piece in 10 minutes against the clock. And some of them are successful and some of them are less so. Uh, this was really uh, quite a, 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 a... I'm not sure what this guy was. What was he called? Uh, Mind Sign, I'm guessing that is. And he's got a lovely collection of instruments. Some of the stuff, the sounds that he was making were absolutely beautiful, but it was a really peculiar kind of groove because it was, it was kind of like Thomas Dolby at his best, but with a really out-of-time drum machine. But this is the format, so... I'm about to go against the clock. So they get the timer going, and then basically it's you're off. And most of them are using Ableton, and a lot of them are using uh, kind of pad-based controllers. Uh, but not this guy. He's got... I don't know what that synth is at the bottom. Didn't, they all, didn't I notice that pretty much all of them had the, um, the uh, native instruments keyboard? Oh, really? You think it might be some sort of promo thing? It's possible. I don't think this guy has. That looks like... Uh, let me see. What's that? A lot of them did. That look, I don't know what that is. That it's not. No, it's not a Jupiter Six. It's something. Is it a Korg piano or something? But that, this, this was. There was some nice stuff. But the rhythm was just really curiously um, wayward in that one. But that, if you check them out, there are some really good ones there. But the whole notion of this kind of performance. I know that Gaz, you've been kind of right into the idea of just doing things here and now, like bang, do it. Out. I mean, those are the sort of uh, creative yep. limitations. But it's a great idea for a series. I challenge. Maybe we should challenge the people in the chat room just to sort of you know throw some ideas together and uh, yeah. time limit them. Well, I think I'm going to bring back a project that I'd launched about ten years ago, which was song racing. And we did it on the internet, and the way we did it uh, was various people would, uh, we'd say, they'd have to log into this forum at 7 o'clock GMT, and then then there would be a post which would be what the topic was about. And I remember a, a brilliant one particularly, the topic was architecture. It's like, okay, I, off everyone goes. And it's the first person to upload it, then it's the winner. But the good thing is that the good thing is, is that it can take a while. People can take two weeks. It doesn't matter if you don't win, but like slowly this album comes together in a song. And it's quite funny. So if you win, your song goes first. <laughs> I won the album. Yeah. The head. Oh, that's, well, that's a good idea. And yeah, no, no so, actual time limit. I guess hard yeah, so, hard to document on video, obviously, but, uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's also very true. But it was a really good fun thing, and we got well, we did it three times, so we got three of these things together. And um, uh, but but I've also um, when I have, if I'm doing like uh, if I'm going to be doing some production work with a with a client, and it's going to be like maybe an album. There's a lot of work. I like to do a a little song with them in an hour. And I've got like a, I've got a countdown timer here, which I which I put, and set an hour counting down, and we've got to get the song finished. It's a brilliant icebreaker. It's such a brilliant icebreaker. You have to work so quickly and make decisions. Invariably, the music comes out a bit silly, 
<laughs> but it works as a great icebreaker. So I think that these time timed things is, is an enormous, uh, enormously useful thing. I did an album with a brilliant um, musician. Um, she's so creative. Just actually being able to sort of make direct I, things with her is was a bit tricky. So so what we did was give her. Um, five minutes to come up with an idea and then 10 minutes to record it and then five minutes so we did it in 45 minute chunks with a 15 minute break so you could have a little bit of a breather and then and we did three so we did three chunks um over three hours uh, and got an album's worth of material together that way um and again countdown timer was there counting down ticking down ticking down time and it's just it's a brilliant thing to do it's just so good especially if your time is limited and you just impose this kind of and make it visual you know don't hide away from it it's great you're looking at it you know you're constantly aware of of it Mm. yeah that that does i mean also probably pretty good i mean um, robbie i'm guessing you know you work to film you work to you know production stuff do you do you ever kind of set yourselves those sort of challenges? Because I mean, it must be, it does sharpen up your musical chops and instincts. I guess I mean it was quite probably quite a good exercise generally, right? I mean, I can work. I like working to deadlines. I can work like breakneck speed to the point where people who are sitting in with me just like just can't. You know, it's that thing Gaz says. If I just get going, then it becomes a little bit kind of like you get in your own world. Nobody else can get a look in because you kind of know what you're doing and it's, you know, you're, you're huddled around the screen and all that stuff. Like, so I can work like that. So I quite like the idea of to, I thought about doing that. I haven't done one of these things for a while, but, you know, I, I'm quite often doing two or three tracks in a week for different people um, from mm-hmm. scratch. So, you know. And that has the same sort of effect, I guess. Oh, yeah, Rich, yeah. I mean, I'm guessing, you know, sometimes there must be instances in your day job when, you know, you're right up against a deadline and there really is literally not much time to get things done. I mean, does that happen? And if so, does that, do you, does it happen? Oh, you've, you're muted. Somebody gets a drink. Make it. I did it. Yes, Yay. I did it. Um, it happened five minutes ago. Wow. I, I just got a message saying you need to come here. <laughs> oh right okay we so we have something that has to be done uh, against the deadline so yes it does happen and did you find do, do, in your experience i'm not necessarily with your current boss but when those things happen is the outcome generally compromised by the time lip the extreme time limitation or does it generate a different energy that creates something that you wouldn't ordinarily come up with i like answer b better but i think it's a little of both <laughs> because, because, well, because you just you'll never know if you'd spent the yes, week on so. it. It would have been better because you know it's got to be out out the door by six o'clock or whatever it is. So, um, I, it, my own way of working, I reach decisions fairly easily, and I can build on those decisions fairly quickly, and I can get something done fairly fast. I'm not always working in environments where that's the case for the other people sure. in the room and they need to be accommodated as well. So uh, that's as close to an answer as I can give you for that. No, that's a, and that, that, that is a, that's, a, that's a good one. How about you, Mark? I mean, you know, I guess, you know, because in terms of, you know, you're doing lots of videos as well. I mean, it's the same sort of applies to that output too. You have like, well, I've got to finish it tonight or I've got to do this bit tonight. I mean, how about musically? Do you kind of give yourself those little challenges to try and generate that sort of stuff in every single demo 
Uh, it's a little-known fact that all of the music that you hear in my demos, whenever I do sound examples or the little songs, and even the themes, all of those were written in real time. Um, I, I actually, I have to do this. I don't have time to sit down and write long, interesting, whatever. I just have to turn it on and go. So everything you see in all of my videos, including the songs that I play, are in real time. Even with like the Theravox, where you know it's one <laughs> note at a time that I'm playing, I basically decide on a chord progression in my head and go for it. And I have to. I don't have time to sit down and think about it and write it all out. This is one of my favorite things to do in the world, and I would mm -hmm. love to take this challenge. I do it every time I make videos. I mean, I love writing in real time. Yeah. Oh, well, great. Well, maybe there's something in there, and maybe we can uh, we can we can formalize something and try and create a, an environment where that would that would happen. I mean, I guess in the same way that when we work here with we have people coming in or we're, we're shooting, it's like, well, I've got to finish it today. It's got to be done. So, you know, bang. I, I'm, let's be. I did do the five minute song on Sonic Talk a few years That's ago. That's right, you did, didn't you? Yeah. Which was this kind of idea, wasn't it? Sort of. But um, that was that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so so I yeah, I think it's great. I'd Five minutes—that's even half the time. That's a, but, oh, but yeah, you, that's, you were playing a lot of real-time stuff. That's you? good. Yeah, I tried to do it like a whole song with guitar, vocals, bass, keyboards, backing vocals, tambourine. You know, I remember. Yeah, tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 lyrics, improvising, making up a song on the spot as well. Yeah, that takes that takes quite a lot of. Uh, no, I think the thing is, is when you're singing, it's a slightly, it, 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 yeah. it's almost like a kind of direct line into your innermost yeah. sanctum, and that, that's that's <laughs> quite scary to many people. Out. Sorry, <laughs> it's why that's why pure nonsense came out of my mouth. <laughs> I seem to remember something about an attic because we got a subject, didn't we? I, I, I'm trying to remember. Oh, now. that's right. We had words. We did. We had some words thrown in, didn't we? That's from right. uh, the chat room. Yeah, well, maybe we can work on something like that again. But it, 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 yeah, it's very chaotic. But great idea. And if you haven't checked them out, I mean, they're, they're not all great, but they all are uh, quite interesting. Um, and let me see if I went back. There's, I don't know how many they've got now. Let's see if I can rewind. We've got. Uh, there's a. This one's uh, good. This is uh, Gabby. She does one with vocals, uh, just layering them up in loops. Uh, Danny Days, Mind Sign. There's, you know, there's there's a good selection of them. And some, like I say, some are actually really. Uh, really really good and some are, are, are less fleshed out i suppose because many and it's quite brave to take something like that on i'm presuming they get a kind of like if it doesn't work out can it not go up because that's what <laughs> I, that's what i want to do and that's that sort of you get that scenario don't you it's it's like your worst nightmare where you suddenly have to perform in front of loads of people and you have no idea what you're doing that's the sort of scary notion but uh, a good idea that's what i was that's what I was doing on Saturday, you know, just, just no idea, just totally making it up. And it's kind of, and you lose it at times. It's like surfing. It's like you fall off waves and you just have to kind of just get back up and, uh, you know. <laughs> but, um, but music is like a conveyor belt to the listener. The listener's just hearing it moving constantly. And, you know, if things go a bit wrong, they don't mind if, it's, if, the, if, the, if the thing is moving again. Yeah. yeah, they just yeah, forget yeah. about they forget about the bits that have just fallen off. And, I mean, taking it because I mean, in many ways, that's what uh, a lot of these new pattern-based sequences, you know, the, and the Volkers and stuff, are encouraging people to. The problem is, is when you're because of the limitations of a, a kind of one-bar interface, you it's very hard to um, to create 
shifts and movement and, and, and arrangements with that sort of stuff, you tend to kind of like turn things on, turn things off and then filter a sound or whatever. There, there's an easy route and there's a more difficult route. And that's, that is a very hard, tough challenge, I think. And that maybe there are some interfaces that work better for that. I mean, certainly Ableton kind of really brought that up. But it does take a certain sense of mastery, mastership, mastery, to be able to pull that off. Um, so yeah, d demoing the Volcas was my one of my hardest demos to do for that reason. First of all, because I'm not I'm not a step sequencer person, although everyone's making me into a step sequencer person. But using those Volcas and having you know one measure to work with, it was really really challenging. But it was also pretty fun. I th I think one of the mistakes that one makes with uh, certainly those kind of things is you tend to work at a tempo and go bunch, 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 whereas you're much better off slowing it right down and creating much shorter sequences so that you've got a little bit more space between the events myself anyway but that that's a tip I, i'll pass on if anyone would care to choose to use it or not is another matter um anyway i'm rich I, I i detect that perhaps you've got to shoot off and go and do that very thing that we're talking about right now well i wish you the best of luck and thank you very much for hanging in there and for coming back online with your power failure i really appreciate it so um we'll see you again very soon i hope thanks nick a lot of fun Okay, and uh, we'll also uh, say goodbye to Gaz, who's out there in uh, Bristol in the uh, the hot attic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hot attic. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Um, I'm just making some crazy music at the moment. I've got a new handle I'm going to start using called um, Bad Workman, and then I can just <laughs> <laughs> sounds <laughs> like <laughs> sounds like a town on the Rhine. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> It's it's a name. So when I when I'm sort of like playing around with the new gadget stuff, I'm just gonna chuck it out under bad workman. I think because I can always blame my tools. Then you see. Yeah, oh, I like it. Nice, <laughs> nice little fry there. And uh, Robbie, thank you also for joining us. Uh, you got more festivals lined up. You're going to be shooting off out the door to do more gigs. One next to this weekend. Oh, I should say I'll I'll, I'll say I've got a um. I got a Roly Seaboard this week, but I'll save that for another time. Wow, I will be interested to know what you think about that. But yes, that, drop that little nugget in there. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us, Robbie. And I hope that your next gig, you'll arrive in plenty of time. It's like one of those Irish sayings, isn't it? May you, may you arrive in plenty of time for your next gig. <laughs> it's only 35 miles from where I live, Exeter. But that's not saying anything as the last one Maybe you should, know, get, should get, an o okay. get an overnight. Stay in the hotel the night before, just to be sure. <laughs> yeah. Or, as I said, just get the helicopter to pick you up. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Rude not to. Yeah. The pilot's just sitting around doing nothing, polishing his cap, you know, otherwise he wouldn't be able to use it anyway. Anyway, Mark Doty, also, thank you very much for joining us, and thank you to your bosses at the Moog Foundation uh, to... to give up your time because this is part of your working day and i do appreciate you it is i'm sure you have numerous other matters to attend to so thank you very much oh i do yes thank you to michelle for putting up with my this uh but yes and thank you nick for having me right well it's a pleasure as ever anyway that's it for this week and thank you very much for watching don't forget if you want to enter the ozone isotope ozone competition what you have to do is tweet out uh the hashtag for EQ modes, the number four, and then EQ modes, one word, and then the hashtag ozone six with six on the end to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And then you may well be the winner of uh, 
Ozone 6.1. And also, thank you very much, everybody, for listening and all of those people in the chat room. Uh, don't forget, uh, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do go ahead. Uh, we very much appreciate it. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>